And so this morning I'm looking at worship. And I'm looking specifically at the, the passage in John 4, verse 23 and 24. And uh, I'm going to read the verse. You've got it just here. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Uh, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. So this is my topic this morning. What does it mean to be true worshippers? What does it mean to worship in spirit and truth? Let me give you a little bit of context about this passage. So this passage comes at a time where Jesus meet the woman at the well. Are you familiar with this story? And uh, he asked this woman to draw some water for him. And actually, it's like a chat and, you know, an interaction between Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. But really, on all aspects, this is a completely extraordinary account that happens there. First of all, really, Jesus is not really supposed to talk to women, but yet he stopped for this woman at the well. Jesus is a Jew and she's a Samaritan. And yet, you know, the Jews didn't like the Samaritan at all. They were supposed to be like, not really, they were pagan, they were not, you know. So it was kind of like, there was a bit of tension between the, the two, um, you know, Jewish and Samaritan. So, but he stops for the Samaritan woman at the well. It's just extraordinary. And then in this moment, conversing with her, he reveals himself and he reveals his purpose, but big time, big time. First, he offers her living water, water that will make her completely whole, water for which she will never be thirsty again. He offers her something that would completely satisfy her life. So good news, right? Yeah? Then he reveals gently her circumstances. You know, basically she was living in sin. But gently he brought that by a word of, word of knowledge. He says, yeah, I know about that. But I'm, I've got this offer for you, yes? And finally, to this woman in that time, he reveals that he is the Messiah. For the first time, he actually tells this woman, I am the Messiah, not even the disciple first. To this woman, he said, I'm the Messiah, the one who has come. And the context of that so is really, look, I'm the Messiah, I'm now come. And you do not longer have to look for a specific place of worship. You do not have to travel to Jerusalem or to your mountain, because she was pagan. So to your mountain to worship because I have come. And the time has come for true worshiper to worship the Father in spirit and truth. That's the context of the verse. It's a massive, massive shift here. Jesus is saying, we are now the dwelling places. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are now, we have now the opportunity to have this direct connection with him. He offers living water for our souls. Can you see the shift there? 
So when we receive him, when we believe him, we are marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that testifies in our heart that we are children of God, by which we cry, Abba, Father. And you've got all the verses there, Ephesians 1, Romans 8, verse 15 and 16. Therefore, we are connected to him, spirit to spirit. And we walk by the spirit, we collaborate with him. It's good news. It's amazing news. Amazing news. In the whole history, in the whole history, guys, it's never been easier than this to be connected to God. Never. It's never been easier than this than to be close to God because of what Jesus has done. Never. So you might tell me, "Mm -mm, you're telling me that, but... mm, What about the disciples? That was a lot easier for them because they saw Jesus face to face. I'm telling you, even the disciples had to wait for the Pentecost to have this encounter with the Holy Spirit, yeah, and to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we are post this, and we come into a new birth, and we receive the Holy Spirit, and we are connected to God, spirit to spirit. So worshiping in in spirit and truth it is not about a place of worship. It's about being a dwelling place. Can you see that? It is about being connected to God, spirit to spirit. Okay? Now, what is worship? Okay. Well, in essence, worship is the attitude of honoring and glorifying God above all. All things, above all things. So in worship, I'm putting you, God, on the throne. I'm acknowledging you, God. I want a relationship with you, God, because I love you and I know that you are everything. And I, I, I love what you represent. I want this for my life. So worship is that, is really an attitude to look for honoring God and glorifying him above all things. To worship God is loving him with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Mark 12, 30 is telling us, and Luke 10, 27 are telling us. Yes. So when we sing songs, when we serve him, when we give, when we are generous, when we are helping the poor, all of these things are expression of worship. But worship is an attitude that becomes a lifestyle. You see, it's more than just I'm singing now to Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I'm worshiping you. Worship is an attitude that becomes a lifestyle. And then it expresses itself in many, many, many different expressions. Singing, serving, giving, helping the poor, all sorts of things. Okay. But we are not true worshippers just because we come to church and sing on Sunday morning. We are all clear about that, yes? Because we just seen it's not about a place. It's not about a place. We are the dwelling place. So it's not about a place. And it's not about just singing. It's about us being the temple, dwelling, you know, God dwelling in us and honoring him, glorifying him always, all the time. 
So what are true worshippers? True worshippers are people who worship in spirit and truth. And what does that mean? I do believe that first to be true worshippers, you have to be born of the spirit. Yes? So if you haven't had this experience of having to be a new creation, to say, yes, God, I believe Jesus has died on the cross for my sin and I'm now, you know, um, adopted child of God and I'm now reconciled with the Father, you can't really truly, truly, truly worship God because you are not born of the Spirit. Okay? It's only when we are born of the Spirit that we have a true revelation of who God is. Of course, it's not a all, I mean, it's not a perfect, completely accomplished revelation because we're always learning and growing in it. But we have this thing in our hearts, say, yes, I know who God is. Yes, we have been born of the Spirit. And this truth is in our heart. And this truth is developing and really make us know more and more about who God is. Yeah? In John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. I don't pronounce really well. That's not the life. The life. (laughs) No one comes to the Father except for me. And in that same chapter, letter, it says, I will not leave us as often. God is giving us the spirit of truth to help us. Can you see like a common denominator there? Jesus came. He is the truth. Okay. And when he resurrected and came back to his father, he said, don't worry. You still have the spirit of truth. You are not alone. The spirit of truth is here, is in your heart to guide you in all truth. So when we talk about worshipping in spirit and truth, that's what it means. It means, yes, we are truly born of the spirit and we connect with the truth of who God is. To quote um, Piper, uh, John Piper said, strong affections for God Rooted in truth are the bone and the marrow of biblical worship. Strong affection for God rooted in truth. That is the basis of our real worship. It's like, Jesus, I love you because I know, I know you are my savior. I know, God, you are my father. Yeah, affection and truth going together. So worshipping, you could see there's a thing that starts to emerge, is really heart and head together. Yeah, it's a whole being, being engaged in our worship, our spirit being connected to God's spirit, our affection and our emotions being engaged in it because we're loving, but also our minds because we are growing on, in understanding of who God is and what he has done for us. It's the whole thing together, together. Now, another aspect of being a true worshiper and really worship in spirit and truth is that our worship is authentic. So let me speak a little bit about that. 
what I mean about worship is authentic. You see, in true worship, the declaration of my mouth needs to line up with my actions. It's a very important thing. You know, there's a passage in the Bible, I can't even remember where it is, but it says, if you say you love God and you say, I raka to your father, to your brother, so effectively, I hate you, there's something not quite lining up. Because I worship you, love, uh, I, I worship you, God, and I love you, and I'm hating my brother. That's not lining up. There's something about lining up my true worship, my true beliefs. And my actions. And in James 1, verse 26 and 27, it says, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but if we worship and we can't control our tongue, our practice of religion is worthless. Effectively, that means you just did a practice there that is dead. It's religion. It's dead. It doesn't mean much because you're worshiping one way, but your action, your tongue is expressing something different. Uh, it says as well, later on, if we worship and we say we love God, but we don't, ca- we don't take care of the orphans and the widows, and we don't keep away from corruption, there's something not quite matching up there. So what comes into my mind there is not saying we've got to be perfect to be true worshiper. That's not that. But I think there's something in our heart who need to be taking Holiness, seriously. Something in our heart who must say, I want to please him. I want my actions to please him. Yes, maybe I'm not all sorted, but I want, I've got this desire that my action will be pleasing my God. So I'm coming to my worship. I'm aware I'm not all perfect, but I'm coming because I need him. And, and I, I have this desire to please him. And where I know I messed up, I'm coming to the front of grace, grace and I repent. You, you see this, this theme, to be authentic. That's true worship as well. Actually, true worship is really free of pretense. We must stop pretending. We must start with authenticity. Where we are at, where we are at, we start worshiping. It's even more, more, more important for us because we are actually called to worship continually. So worship continually, that means, you know, in Hebrews 13 verse 15, it says, let us offer a sacrifice of praise to God continually. So to be able to worship continually, you need to be able to do that in any circumstances and regardless of your state. You agree? So you've got to be authentic and start to where you are at. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to do that. You see, we are born to worship. We are completely born to worship. And I'm going to explain a little bit about that. But we are completely born to worship. That means that our heart were made for worship. We are called to worship continually. And when we die, what we will do is worship God continually. That's, our, that's how we are made. Made to worship him, to glorify him. So we've got to be able to lift our hands and wherever we are at, start worshipping him authentically, being real. 
And you know what? We can do it. The reason we can do it is because true worship is in spirit and truth. True worship is not because you feel like it. True worship is not because you have this emotion and this desire to worship. True worship is not because you feel you're worth to meet God. So you come because you feel worth it and you come and meet God. True worship is nothing about that. True worship is in spirit and truth. So that means I'm coming to God worshiping on the basis that he is my father. Okay. And I know I'm going to meet him because he has forgiven me. And I'm coming in a place of authenticity. I'm not saying, oh God, everything is good with me when it's not. So I'm true. I'm authentic. My words will match what, I'm, what I feel in my, in, my, in my worship. So it is possible to worship even when you have made the biggest mess in your life and you have failed miserably. It's completely possible. And I'm going to show you how in a second. It is possible to worship when you don't feel like it. That's why it's called a sacrifice. <laughs> That's why it's a sacrifice of praise. Because you don't feel like it. So you're kind of like, yeah, it's costing me right now. But I'm doing it. All right, so let me explain a little bit uh, about that. Okay, when we have messed up, what we do is we repent. We adopt the attitude of David in Psalm 51. You know, Psalm 51 is David's psalm when he really just messed, like in a big scale. I mean, he literally killed a man to get his woman and commit adultery. Okay, that's what David did. Let's not, you know, hide or pretend he was a whole sorted person. So effectively, at that moment, he realized what he has done. And he loved God and he messed up on an epic scale, epic scale. And this is what he says. He says, Jesus, have, well, he doesn't say Jesus because Jesus was not there yet. But he said, Lord, Lord, have mercy according to your unfailing love. And we could read the old psalm. You can read it at home, the old psalm 51. Lord, have mercy according to your unfailing love. Create in me a clean heart. <laughs> That's true worship. Because what he's saying there, he's saying, God, I am so sorry. I want to honor you. I want to glorify you. But I messed up. Forgive me. I know that my actions are really, they're really not according to your heart. And he say, forgive me. So we could do the same when we know we have failed miserably. We come to him and we're still true worshipping him by acknowledging where we are at. And where we're acknowledging where we're at is not pretending and say, yes, in this area, God, gosh, I need you. I need to clean this mess. I need to clean this mess. Let my worship be true. Let my whole life glorify you. I need you to come and help me. Yeah? That's true worship. Hallelujah. 
Then second scenario, all right? When you don't feel like it at all, when you're going through tough thing, and God knows that life can throw really tough thing at us. It is true, okay? Then you decide to bring a sacrifice of praise. And you know, personally, I I have had this conversation with God, going like this, um, God, I'm going to worship you, but right now, I really don't want to, if I'm honest, because I don't feel like it. But you know what? I'm going to do it. But I want you to know that it's going to cost me. <laughs> I have said that to God. I said, you know, right now, I want you to know it's going to cost me. That's the sacrifice of praise. That's what is the sacrifice of praise. So you decide you're going to worship. But you know what? Something happened. You start in your authentically. You start authentically where you are at. But something happened. It's not just an issue of the will. It's learning to tap as well in the spirit in you. Worship in spirit and truth. It's learning to tap in the spirit in you. So what you do is you start to stir your soul, your feeling and your emotion by looking first at the spirit in you. And a brilliant example is David uh, in Psalm 57 when he says, wake up my soul. He speaks to himself. And wake up my soul. Effectively, he's not feeling like it, right? So he's kind of like, wake up my soul. Okay? I know. And it could be like, yeah, I know you're hurting. I know you didn't have good news. Recently, it's got, it's got pretty terrible. And I know you feel like surrounded by your enemies. But you know what? Wake up my soul. Look up. Yeah, there's a song there by Lauren Daigle. It says, look up, child. Okay? Look up. See how big is your God. See how big is your God. And if you re- read Psalm 57, it says, wow, great is his love. So I'm starting there. I'm starting there. And then you start worshiping. Okay, you focus on him and his greatness. What you do is you magnify him. You magnify him. Okay, you could read the Psalms are amazing for that. Like there's a, the Psalm 95 say, come, let us sing because he's great. He's the rock of salvation. That's what we do by the spirit. We look at him. We look at who he is in truth. Okay, so we turn our affection towards him and we, we say, yes. It's costing me, but I'm going to focus on you first, Jesus. I'm going to magnify you. I'm going to let my emotion be stirred by who you are, rather than look at my circumstances. I'm not denying the circumstances. I'm not saying, I'm not ignoring them. But I choose to magnify you. I choose to first bring my worship. I choose to dwell on you. Yeah? Um, it was really interesting because we were away at uh, this conference with Steve Backlund at the weekend. And he was saying, don't magnify the problem, magnify God. And I feel that's what true worship does. You, you look away, you don't deny them, but you magnify God. You, you choose the higher perspective. Okay? You choose to magnify God first, to take that perspective. Okay? You know, another really uh, interesting thing that um, Steve Backlund was saying is, if you want a different emotion, you need different beliefs. Yeah. 
well, a brilliant way of having different beliefs is to magnify God and have his perspective. When you get his perspective, you will look at your life in a different, a different way and you will feel different. So I do believe that true worship, true worship in spirit and truth is about being authentic and realizing that we are born of the spirit, that we are connected to God, spirit to spirit. And we are called to go deeper in this connection, in this relationship, by really connected to him and looking at him, magnifying him, whatever the circumstances we are in. Yeah. Now, let me finish by just this little um, um, topic, which is what happened then in our corporate worship? I mean, I've already said singing song is only one aspect of worship. It's only one exp- uh, expression of worship. But what about corporate worship? What happened when we are together and we sing and we worship God together? I believe that it is really powerful those times because there's a dynamic of us together encountering God. And why I believe it's powerful is because I think we are called to be prophetic people who always get more and more revelation of who good, uh, God is, yeah? And in corporate, corporate worship uh, is really well defined in Ephesians 5, okay? So let me re- read you Ephesians 5, verse 18 to 20. It says, it's a funny start of that passage, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, okay? Instead, it's a funny parallel, isn't it? Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalm, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from the heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I do believe our time of corporate worship are significant because the Holy Spirit comes in a higher dimension revealing who God is. And this could look like a little bit like a party where there's a lot of wine going around. Because why would, what would Paul make this a parallel with don't be drunk on wine? Okay? So what he's saying is, don't, don't find joy in, in drinking wine. and No, just be filled with joy and exuberance with the Spirit of God. This is something about in the presence of my God, you know, things are shifting. Things are shifting. I can feel joy. I can be exuberant. I'm not so much worried about, you know, People who are drunk, they don't worry about their surrounding. I mean, that we know. And it could be very dangerous, seriously, yes? But, but when we're in his presence, we don't care too much about the surrounding of who is doing what we, we're engaging with God. We're enjoying God. Even our emotion and feelings might be, you know, touched. And it's okay. It's okay. Because we're in his presence. And what we do is we sing and make music from our hearts. So it's not just head knowledge 
of, yes, I know the whole theology, Jesus Christ, I don't cross, you know, you know. no, I'm engaged with my heart. That's what we do when we worship our God. And it's interestingly, it speaks about psalm, hymns, and song from the Spirit. Isn't it interesting? So, um, for me, you know, psalm and hymns, it talks about, this is a little bit about uh, singing um, to God about who he is, what he has done, our inheritance, truth about God. You find that in hymns and psalm. Yeah, because remember the psalm were written uh, almost like um, a celebration of, of different points of the history of the, the the Hebrew people. Yeah, so 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 it's about when we sing, we come and we sing about God. We sing God's truth. We sing about what He has done. We sing about who He is. But there is this little thing about as well spiritual songs, songs, songs from the spirit. Those, I believe, are the spontaneous beat in our worship. They are like suddenly, you know, God puts a finger on something and we start to sing that maybe a little bit more. And we've done a bit this morning, okay? I give you my heart, God. That was the little bit of this morning that God was, you know, inspiring us to, to draw closer to his heart. So those are the spiritual songs, okay? And usually... Um, they bring something fresh in our adoration. They bring as well a revelation about who God is and who we are. That's spiritual songs. I personally think that the more our worship is full of the Spirit and the more it's true and it's authentic, the more we will see the prophetic to come and God breaking and speak to us. Uh, I... I think we, we are yet to know fully what it looks like to completely overflow with the presence of God. I am waiting for the days where Dave will strike his drums, right? And somebody will be delivered of, by the sound of the drum. Because it says in the psalm, um, instrument can prophesy. I'm not making it up. It's there. You know, I'm waiting for the day where we're seeing something, and we've already seen some of that, so I'm waiting for more. We're seeing something, and people are healed. We haven't even prayed, but just because God came with his amazing presence, and we realized as we were engaging spirit to spirit, we realized that he's the healer. And right now I'm speaking, if you're not well, he's the healer. You do not need to wait for the prayer at the end. Just be healed now in the name of Jesus. It's just him who's doing it. He's the healer. So receive healing in the name of Jesus. And I believe that's what it is to be true worshiper in spirit and truth. 